Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in, Red Sox fans, to episode seven of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. How is everyone doing on this fine Monday? What a great weekend for us Red Sox fans, huh? Oh my goodness. The Red Sox are playing some great baseball lately, man. You gotta love it. My goodness, what a series win against the Cleveland Guardians. I'm not gonna lie. I'm thinking, all right, that'd be great if we can win two out of three. Man, I didn't think we were going to sweep this series. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was hoping for two out of three. But my goodness, this Red Sox team, they are red hot lately, man. And uh, we're going to br- we're gonna break it all down. We're going to go into this series against the Guardians. We're going to preview the upcoming series with the Blue Jays. Hey, good series win against the Guardians, but we don't stop here. There's a lot of, a lot of important baseball coming up, a lot of big series coming up, especially against some division rivals, starting with the Toronto Blue Jays tonight in Toronto. Uh, Seeing some familiar faces here in the chat on YouTube, welcome. Uh, And welcome wherever you may be listening from, whether that's Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to your favorite podcasts. But before we do get into today's show, I'm going to go over our sponsors for today's episode and our sponsor for today is Bet Online. Bet Online. Uh, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments for Major League Baseball fights and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas Casino and Poker Games. It's really easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code believe B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Don't forget, we are partners with SeatGeek. Use my code HYDE, H-Y-D-E, for $20 off your first purchase. And don't forget, we are partners with PrizePix. If you're getting tired of FanDuel, tired of DraftKings, go check out PrizePix. Give them a chance. You're going up against the computer instead of other live players. They will give you a 100% deposit match if you use my code Ginger. All righty, everyone. Let's get to it here. We got a lot to talk about with this series with the Guardians. And uh, man, oh, man, I just want to break down some numbers. Just want to break down some numbers for the Red Sox. I mean, this month, the Atlanta Braves, they were playing some great baseball. They're one of the best teams in the month of June. But the Red Sox, also one of the best teams in June. Just listen to these numbers here. They have won seven straight series. They are 19-4 and four on the month. On fan graphs, they rank 7th in offense, 11th in starting pitching, and 17th in, or sorry, they're 7th in offense, 11th in starting pitching, 17th in relief pitching on the year. 
But for the month of June, they rank fifth in offense, second in starting pitching, and that's even without Nathan Evaldi and Garrett Whitlock lately. And the bullpen is top 10. They rank ninth in relief pitching in the month of June. The Red Sox are just playing some phenomenal baseball, and uh, they're going to look to keep it going here as they head over to Toronto. Uh, but let's get an update here on the standings. Let me share my screen with all of you. Here we go. But uh, taking a look here, if we are looking at the current division standings, of course, the Yankees, I mean, they had themselves quite the weekend getting no hit over uh what was it 16 innings this past weekend are you kidding me uh but they still found a way to win uh yesterday with Aaron Judge and the walk-off homer um my goodness that Yankees team is really good and that just shows they can be at such a low point but they can still find a way to win that's a scary team over there uh, but taking a look at the current standings in the division, the Yankees are up by 11. Hold on one second. Let me just silence my phone here because that is going to drive me nuts. Uh, but the Yankees, 11-game lead in the division, but the Red Sox in second place, firmly in second place, moving into second over the weekend, ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays. And look at the Toronto Blue Jays. 40-32, and 32, obviously the Red Sox going to Toronto today to play the Blue Jays, but who would have thought the Toronto Blue Jays would be a fourth-place team at this point in time? Who would have thought? A lot of people had the Blue Jays winning this division. Just goes to show you don't win the season in the offseason. You got to let the season play out, and the Blue Jays are in fourth place right now, but the Red Sox, Rays, and the Blue Jays currently hold the three wild card spots. The Red Sox, for the first time this year, in control of the first wild card spot. The Rays and the Blue Jays tied right now. They're both 40 and 32, so they both hold the second and third wild card spots. As for the Guardians, because of that sweep from the Red Sox, the Guardians now fall back into second place in the Central. They've lost four straight. So the Twins are now leading that division and the Guardians are now on the outside looking in in the wild card. So we also have the White Sox that are five and a half out of a wild card spot. The Rangers are five and a half out of a wild card spot. The Angels six and a half, the Mariners seven. But it's going to be really interesting, a very interesting second half of the season after the All-Star break. I guarantee a lot of these races are going to start heating up. A lot of these teams, are, I think, are going to heat up. And I think you're going to see a lot of teams in the mix for a wild card spot in the American League. But let's talk about this series with the Guardians. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Coming into this series, I did not know did not know what was going to be happening here. I didn't know if we could win two out of three just based off of how the Guardians were playing as of late. Very good team, an overlooked team over here in Cleveland. But the Red Sox, hey, they showed up to play, man. This Red Sox team, they just keep getting better and better. But let's get to game one here. Red Sox had Pavetta on the mound against Cal Quantrill. They both traded runs in the second thanks to a bases loaded Christian Arroyo hit by pitch in the top half of the second. And then Miles Straw had a base hit in the bottom half. But let's go to the top of the third. 
Rafael Devers, actually, let's go back to his first at bat. Rafael Devers struck out. Uh, well, Cal, Cal Quantrill struck out Devers in his first at bat, kind of pumped his fist, celebrated. The guy was screaming. He was pumped up that he struck out Devers. But Devers never forgets. He wants his ice cream. Devers came up next at bat, absolutely mashed one, 104 miles an hour off the bat, 411 feet into the seats. That made it 2-1. to one. Andre Semenez, though, he answered with a homer of his own in the fourth to tie it up at two. So we actually had ourselves a pretty decent game here, but Christian Arroyo coming up big. Christian Arroyo, man, going back to last year, this guy has a knack for coming up in the big spots. And I was actually listening, listening to this on the WEEI radio. Uh, I do Uber on the weekends, and uh, that's a perfect time for me to do Uber because I can just listen to the games. Um, but it's funny because I was listening to them, and one of the guys was saying that, you know, Christian Arroyo, he has a knack for coming up in these big spots. And then, boom, absolutely mashed one. Three-run shot from Christian Arroyo. Or, sorry, a two-run shot that ended up making it 4-2. to two. And then Alex Verdugo, Rob Refsnyder, they came up with some RBI doubles later on to make it 6-2. to two. The Guardians made it a little interesting there in the ninth. Uh, Tanner Houck, he's had some messy outings lately, giving up some hits lately. They got a few base hits off of him. Stephen Kwan had a base hit to make it 6-3, to three, but Houck was able to lock it down for the 6-3 win. Nick Pavetta, he got hit around a little bit in this one. Uh, seven innings, uh, overall a good start for Nick Pavetta, but he gave up nine hits in this one, but he was able to strand a lot of these base runners. So Pavetta, sure, he was hittable here, but he was able to come through when it mattered most, putting the Cleveland Guardians away, even though they had runners on. But overall, Pavetta's stat line, seven innings, nine hits, two earned, four strikeouts, did give up a home run, but uh, Nick Pavetta coming away with his eighth win of the season. Let's move into game two here. The Red Sox winning this one four to two. This was the game I was a little worried about. This was the one I was a little worried about because Shane Bieber, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball this year. He was on the mound for the Cleveland Guardians here. Uh, and for the Red Sox, sure, you know, Winkowski, he has been pretty good lately, but I think we can all agree that Winkowski. He's no Shane Bieber, but Winkowski really showed up in this one, especially against a guy like Bieber. He went five and a third innings, gave up six hits, two earned, four Ks. He got a lot of ground balls in this one. He had the defense really working behind him. It's a good Red Sox infield defense, and they were really helping him out. And to be honest with you, Shane Bieber, he pitched pretty well here too. Overall, he pitched seven innings, gave up six hits, three runs, two walks, four Ks, but the big blow to Shane Bieber came off of the bat from Alex Verdugo. Oh my goodness. The Guardians, they had a 2-0 lead going into the sixth inning and Verdugo absolutely mashed one. If you didn't see this home run, oh my goodness. If you've, if you've listened to how the ball comes off the bat when Shohei Otani gets into one, I'm telling you, go back to this home run. It makes a, it made a similar sound. Verdugo absolutely clobbered this one. As soon as he hit it, you knew it was gone. Alex Verdugo, in my opinion, 
has one of the best home run swings. I love the follow through on Alex Verdugo's swing. And uh, he's really heating up lately, man. But this was an absolute bomb that he hit 109 miles an hour off the bat, 448 feet. Are you kidding me? So that ended up making it three to two. The Red Sox didn't look back at that point. Jaron Duran added on another run in the ninth RBI base hit up the middle. That made it four to two. Let's get into Jaron Duran here. Big game here for Jaron Duran. And actually, he was a little aggressive early on. He ended up getting thrown out at third. He stole second, tried to move over to third, ended up getting thrown out. And that ended up, that really felt like a moment where, oh, here we go. You got Bieber on the mound in this one. It kind of felt like the air got let out of their tires a little bit. But Jaron Duran, oh my goodness. This guy had himself a heck of a game, man. Four for five, really picked himself up after getting after getting thrown out there. Jaron Duran is having himself quite the time with the Red Sox right now. So far, over 52 at-bats, hitting 327 with an 886 OPS. This guy's out of his mind. He's adding, I feel like it's just a different vibe in this lineup, man. Just a different vibe. He's bringing the speed on fan graphs. As of right now, through 52 at-bats, he has a 0.4 base running, but that's over a small sample size. Just to give you an idea, Jackie Bradley Jr., he has a negative 0.4 base running over 65 games. Jaron Duran has this over, what, like 13 games? So Duran is making an impact on the bases. He's also stolen four bases. That's another thing. And Jackie Bradley Jr., he has two stolen bases through 65 games so just pointing that out Jaron Duran he's changing the way the Red Sox are doing things the top of the order has just looked different for the Red Sox lately I feel like that's been one area for the Red Sox this year where it feels like they just haven't quite they hadn't quite found that leadoff guy that guy that they can really they can just get the lineup going, kind of spark the offense. It feels like they've been trying different guys out in the leadoff spot. Kike Hernandez, that's one guy they've really gone to a lot. But I feel like Jaron Duran right now is the guy that you need to be plugging into the leadoff spot. Um, I'm loving what Jaron Duran's doing lately. And I've talked about this a little bit, in, or I talked about this a little bit in the last episode. I think when Kike Hernandez comes back, eventually I think Jackie Bradley Jr. has to be the odd man out I love the glove I love what he does out there he gets so many good reads on bats off the ball or balls off the bat uh the way the way he he doesn't have a lot of speed but his routes are just phenomenal but in the end to me Jackie Bradley Jr. and the bat I mean he's only hitting 219 right now I mean I don't know Jackie Bradley, man, I love him, but he's kind of just a black hole in that lineup. And to me, I think when Kike comes back, I think you need to either, you know, send Jackie Bradley back down to Worcester. I don't know if he'll, I don't know how that works exactly. I don't know if, if he has to, if he does, if he has to accept it or not, but I think he needs to be the odd man out. I think what the Red Sox should do you should put Duran out in left field. I think you should put Kike out in center field. And I think you should put Verdugo out in right field. I just think 
that's the best option for the Red Sox right now. And I think Ref Snyder, he's been just an absolute gamer. I think he should be the fourth outfielder, a right-handed bat off the bench. You would have two lefty bats in Duran and Verdugo. I think you keep Ref Snyder as the fourth guy. Um, I honestly think you got a DFA, Jackie Bradley Jr. You know, if he ends up getting through waivers, you can send him back down to Worcester if he accepts it. Um, but that's that's what I think needs to happen. But getting back to game two here, bullpen was solid here. I mean, take a look at what the bullpen did. Uh, Winkowski, like I said, two earned over five and a third, but the bullpen was just nails after him. Diekman came in for an inning and a third, but then John Schreiber... Two runners on with a big strikeout of Ahmed Rosario. That was a huge moment for Schreiber. Strom came in, got the hold in the eighth. And then Tanner Houck had himself a rather tidy ninth inning. Um, Tanner Houck, he's been getting hit a little bit in that ninth inning role, getting the saves. He's been getting hit around, giving up a couple of hits here and there. But this was his cleanest outing ever since June 12th against the Mariners where he gave up no hits in that game. So this is the first time he didn't give up any hits since June 12th against the Seattle Mariners. So overall, another good win for the Red Sox. But just reiterating, I do think Jaron Duran needs to stay. I don't see how you send this guy down. I really don't. Like when Kike Hernandez comes back, I really don't see how you send him back to the Woo Sox. I, I really don't. This guy's out of his mind. 17 hits and 52 at-bats, four stolen bases. This guy, he just reminds me. This I'm telling you, this reminds me exactly of 2007 with Jacoby Ellsbury. Remember you had Coco Crisp? Coco Crisp was the guy, but then Ellsbury was basically just forcing his way into that lineup. Um a little bit of a different situation, but it really reminds me of that. Duran really gives me a vibe of Jacoby Ellsbury and um, and Grady Sizemore. I mean, those two guys, it's like a hybrid of those two. I, I That's what I see. Every time I'm looking at Duran, I'm seeing Jacoby Ellsbury and Grady Sizemore, man. And I think Duran's going to be an exciting player. Uh, but moving into game three, it was pretty much just all Red Sox here. Uh, the offense really coming through. 8-3 final. Rich Hill got the start. He was fantastic. This dude was pumping like 90-91. When do you ever see Rich Hill just pumping 91? This dude was, he had his Wheaties yesterday, man. This dude was on fire throwing 91. This is a guy that's usually sitting around the, the upper 80s. And I'm seeing 91. And I'm like, oh, that's what I'm talking about, Mr. Rich Hill. Uh, six innings, five hits, and an earned run for him. But the offense, this was the this is what carried the Red Sox today. Eight runs in this one. The top three hitters in this lineup, Duran, Devers, and Martinez, eight for 15. Devers, man, he's having a heck of a year. He's having an absolute heck of a year. Huge game in this one, three for five, had an RBI. Huge series. The top three hitters... In this lineup going 8 for 15. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Duran is just up there and he's just getting these guys started, man. But Devers is having a heck of a year. He's hitting 334 with a 392 on base, a 606 slugging, 17 home runs, 
45 RBIs. He is second in the Fangraph War leaderboards among all players in Major League Baseball. Raphael Devers having himself a heck of a year. He ranks second in offense on the year. He's the top third baseman on Fangraphs. Jose Ramirez, he's driving in some more runs, but it feels like Raphael Devers right now is just the more impactful bat that's just what it feels like. Jose Ramirez having himself a really good year. He was my preseason MVP pick, but uh, Devers, man, he's having a heck of a year. Verdugo has just been red hot. The month of June has been very kind to Alex Verdugo. He went two for three in this one. He had three walks. Alex Verdugo, man, his batting average is up to 256. And I know that might sound a little low, but this was a guy, his batting average was under 200 at one point. In June, like I said, June is being very kind to Alex Verdugo. This month, he's hitting 317, a 391 on base, and a 463 slugging. In his last six games, he has an OPS of 1.010, an OPS over 1,000 for Alex Verdugo. Go get yourself some ice cream, my friend. Trevor Story, two for six in this one, had a couple of RBIs. Trevor Story over his last six games, hitting 280, a 440 slugging, not too bad. But uh, Trevor Story, man, you know, I've been seeing a lot of people going after Trevor Story. I did a video on my channel recently of some really disappointing players. I had a few people point out, hey, why isn't Trevor Story on this list of most disappointing players? Well, here's the thing with Trevor Story. He's playing phenomenal defense, and I think a lot of people out there, they really need to start looking at not just what they're doing with the bat, but what they're doing in the field. Trevor Story, yeah, he's not, you know, playing the premium position of shortstop, but second base, still a rather important position up the middle. That's, uh, I'm telling you, when you are strong at the catching position, shortstop, second base, and center field, that's the spine of your defense. You got to have all all four of those positions strong defensively. Trevor Story is providing some amazing defense to the Red Sox this year. And right now, when you go look at his value on Fangraphs, Trevor Story is on pace to match what he will be getting paid this year. So Trevor Story, I don't think he's been disappointing at all. Sure, would you like to see a bit of a higher batting average? Would you like to see maybe a bit a, a bit of a better on base, a bit of a better slugging? Absolutely you would. But I know Trevor Story can do more, but I love what he's been doing for the Red Sox this year. He has been so valuable for the pitching staff, just getting all the ground balls behind them. Uh, I really like what Trevor Story's doing this year. I know a lot of other people think otherwise, but uh, Story to me, I think he's been really good. So, but that was the series with the Red Sox in this one. Bullpen ended up coming in. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be honest here. Hanzo Robles, I'm, I'm starting to think this guy might have to go because you're going to have Josh Taylor. He's on a rehab assignment right now in the minor leagues. I think you might have to have Hanzo Robles go. This guy came in. I mean, the game was pretty much out of reach at this point, so I wasn't really too worried. But this guy is coming in, and he is just making me nervous every time this guy pitches. He has a 4.91 ERA. And if I were to actually pull up here on Fangraphs, 4.91 ERA. Let's go take a look at the FIP. 
Hanzo Robles was really good for the Red Sox in the second half last year, but he has just been really hittable. If you take a look this year, like I said, 4.91 ERA, but look at the FIP, a uh, 5.17 FIP. That's not good, man. He's not striking out any guys. Last year, he was right around 10 strikeouts per nine, but this year, that's down around almost two to three strikeouts per nine. So again, last year, he was at 9.9 Ks per nine. This year, he's only at 6.9. So his strikeouts are down. He is walking less guys, but he's giving up more home runs. He's just way more hittable this year. I think Hansa Robles might be the guy that has to go. I don't know. When Josh Taylor comes back, because he's going to have a role in that bullpen. He has been rehabbing down there in the minors, but... I think, I think Robles might be the guy that has to go. Uh, just very hittable this year. Very hittable. So let's move into the Blue Jays series. And actually, we did have a super chat earlier. We had a super chat earlier from Tom Amiano. What is going on, my friend? $1.99 super chat. He says, super chat for the Sox staying hot. Tom Amiano, I appreciate the support, my friend. Really do appreciate it. Um, so let's move into the Blue Jays series. This is going to be a big one. You got Connor Seabold. He's getting the start, getting called up. He actually was with the Red Sox this past weekend. He threw an inning in his last start in AAA, but that was just to you know help line him up for this game, just get a little bit of work in. But uh, he's getting the spot start here. The Red Sox still waiting on Nathan Evaldi, still waiting on Garrett Whitlock. And uh, so he will be getting the start, but he's not a bad option to turn to He's been really good in the minor leagues. He was out for a little while because he had a pectoral strain, but in 11 starts in AAA this year, he has a 2.09 ERA. In case you're not familiar with Connor Seabold, he came back over in a trade with the Phillies when the Red Sox sent Brandon Workman to the Phillies back in 2020. He is uh, Connor Seabold, currently the number 14 prospect on MLB Pipeline. Pretty excited to see what Seabold can do. I'm not expecting a ton. I never expect a whole ton out of the rookies coming up. Uh, sure, Winkowski, he's had some nice starts this year. But, hey, who knows? Maybe Connor Seabold can keep it going. But he's going to have a really tough task with the Toronto Blue Jays. They rank fourth in offense coming into this game. Their offense is very good. The, the Blue Jays have been up and down lately. Just lost their series to the Milwaukee Brewers this past weekend. But, uh... Either way, Connor Seabold, he's going to have a tough task here with these guys, with these boppers in the lineup. Uh, but Kevin Gosman, he gets the start opposing Seabold. Gosman, he's been really good this year. 14 starts, a 3.19 ERA. He has a FIP of 1.75, 10 strikeouts per nine, 1.8 walks per nine. Kevin Gosman, he's been on top of his game this year. However, in his last three starts... In his last three starts, he's actually lost his last three starts. Uh, I will say, though, a couple of those, he did pitch pretty well in a couple of those. The offense just didn't really come through for him. He pitched well against the Tigers. He pitched well against the White Sox. But he got hit around by the Blue Jays a couple of – or not the Blue Jays, the Orioles a couple of starts ago. But against the Red Sox this year, Gosman, he's just been – a madman against the Red Sox this year, two starts, 14 innings and earn run 17 K's Gosman. He's been nasty against the Red Sox. So I'm going to be honest with you. 
I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm going to go with a guy here, I mean, I got to lean towards the Blue Jays in this one. They're at home. You got your ace on the mound. The Red Sox got Connor Seabold making his first major league start. I don't know about this one. This one doesn't make me feel very good, but the Red Sox, they're a way different team than the last time when they went up against Gosman. So let's see if the Red Sox offense can keep it up here in game one. Uh, moving into game two, we got Waka and Stripling. This one I'm feeling pretty good about. Michael Waka, he's been quite the surprise for the Red Sox this year, a 2.34 ERA. I will say this, he does have a 3.97 FIP. So while we are seeing a very nice looking ERA, Waka, he has been giving up some hard hit balls this year. Let me actually pull up Waka here on Baseball Savant. Now, I'm not saying Waka is bad by any means. He's been really solid. But the reason Waka's FIP is a lot higher than his ERA, again, 2.34 ERA, but a FIP of 3.97. Well, if you're with me here on YouTube, you can see my screen. We're seeing a lot of blue. He's been pretty good with keeping the exit velocity down. He's right there in the middle. Um, when it uh, He's in the middle of the pack among all starting pitchers. He's really good at keeping the hard hit balls down. He's in the top 20% in hard hit percentage, but the expected WOBA, the expected ERA, the expected batting average, the expected slugging, not very good. And the big reason for that is he doesn't strike a lot of guys out. He, he gives up a lot of contact, so that's a big thing. But the big thing with Waka, the reason he's been so successful is the Red Sox are playing great defense behind him. They are shifting a ton behind him. So they are working perfectly behind Waka. He's not giving up a lot of barrels. He's not giving up a lot of hard hit percentage. He's not walking a lot of guys. So that's very nice. It's just when you look at his stuff, when you look at just how much contact he gives up, his FIP is not going to look that great. But the Red Sox defense, they're really coming through for him this year and it's paying off for both sides. So uh, going up against Waka in this one is Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling has been pretty underrated this year. He has stepped in for the Blue Jays, especially with Hingjin Ryu being out for the rest of the year. Ross Stripling, man, he stepped up in a big way. He has a 3.08 ERA, a 2.86 FIP. He's big with the fastball, uses a lot of change-ups, uses a lot of sliders. He gets a lot of ground balls. So this is going to be interesting. You got two guys that get a ton of ground balls. I think this is going to this is going to come down to the defenses in this game. Which team is going to play better defense and which team is going to come up with more timely hits? I will say the Red Sox have a lot of guys that are experienced against Ross Stripling. Take a look here. We got Bogarts with nine at-bats against Stripling. He's hitting 444 with a homer against him in his career. Uh, Dahlback has a home run against Stripling. Duran has a home run against Stripling. J.D. Martinez. Well, Jaron Duran won't be in this one. He's not traveling to, uh, to Toronto. But uh, J.D. Martinez, he has a home run against him. Trevor Story, Alex Verdugo have home runs against him. So if I were to lean one way in this game, I'm going with the Red Sox in game two. I think the Red Sox, with just how they've seen Stripling, with how good they've been playing defense behind Waka, I'm expecting the Red Sox to win game two. And uh, let's move into game three. This one I'm actually the most excited for. Nick Pavetta and Alec Manoa. This is a big-time matchup, man. Pavetta has been the Red Sox ace this year. He has been stepping up in a huge way. Alec Manoa, 
has been just fantastic for the Blue Jays. 9-2 on the year, a 2.05 ERA, 79 strikeouts. Manoa, man, he's been really good. Really, really good. 14 starts, a 3.03 FIP. His last start against the Brewers, six and two-thirds, two earned, six strikeouts, earning the win. He actually pitched against the Red Sox earlier this year. Seven innings, three hits, seven strikeouts. So the Red Sox are going to have a tough task with Alec Manoa, but with Nick Pavetta on the mound, I think they're going to be up for the challenge. Pavetta has just been so good. He did get hit, like I mentioned earlier against the Guardians, did get hit around a bit, but he was able to make the big pitches when they mattered when the Guardians had runners on. So I think this is going to be a big-time matchup. I think this is an underrated matchup. And I think Nick Pavetta is one of the more underrated pitchers in the game. I think Nick Pavetta needs to start getting more attention, and I think he needs uh, to get himself to that all-star game over in L.A. Nick Pavetta, he has absolutely earned it. Uh, but this is going to be a good series. Man, if I were to lean one way, I mean, I'm always in favor of leaning towards the home team. But you know what? With The way the Red Sox have been when Nick Pavetta is on the mound, let me actually pull up here. What is the Red Sox record when Nick Pavetta pitches? What is their record here? When he is on the mound, I feel like the Re the Red Sox, they've been just winning a ton of games. Uh, again, that first month was kind of just an anomaly. I can't find these numbers. Maybe it's on fan graphs. Nick Pavetta. Let's go to fan graphs. Let's take a look. I can just go to the game log really quick. Um, but... So, looking here, um, I know that I know I can find this stat somewhere. I just can't remember off the top of my head. But overall, the Red Sox they've just, they've just been a great team with Pavetta on the mound. So, honestly, I might I might lean for the Red Sox in this one. But you know, with the Blue Jays being at home. Big-time starter in Alec Manoa. I can easily see the Blue Jays winning two out of three. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a sweep either way. I think the Red Sox are just playing too good of baseball to just come into Toronto and get swept. I don't think that's going to happen. Could I see the Blue Jays bouncing back after a series loss with the Brewers and winning two out of three? Yeah, I could see that. But you know what? With the, Red, with the way the Red Sox are playing lately, just, man... I'm going to go two out of three here for the Red Sox. I think they're going to win this series two to one. Um, that's what I'm thinking, man. I think they're going to make the adjustments against Gosman and Manoa. Those guys have been shutting the Red Sox down this year. I think they'll make enough adjustments to be able to pull out at least two wins in this series. I think Waka will get the win over Stripling. And I think the Red Sox, they'll find a way to beat either Gosman or Manoa. If I were to go with... If it, it, who's more likely that the Red Sox can get the upper hand on? I think Gosman. I think they'll find a way to get some hits off of Gosman. He has been giving up some hits lately in his last few starts. So I'll go for the Red Sox winning two out of three in this one. So let's talk about some prospects, shall we? 
Let's talk about some prospects. Let's talk about the top pitching prospect, Brian Bayo. Feels like I have to talk about Bayo every single time I do an episode. The number four prospect for the Red Sox on Pipeline. He's their top pitching prospect. Had another good start this past weekend. Five and two thirds, two earned, seven Ks. Brian Bayo, man, this guy. I've I've said this in the last few episodes. I I wouldn't be surprised either way if he ends up staying in the minor leagues for the whole year. I would not be surprised if he ends up getting a spot or two somewhere down the road. But I think the Red Sox, they got a lot of guys right now that can make the spot starts. You got Winkowski. You got Cutter Crawford. You got Connor Seabold now. I feel like they might end up just keeping Bayo in the minor leagues just to let him develop. This guy is going to be a future stud for the Red Sox. I think they're going to give him all the time that he needs to develop. Uh, but Brian Bayo, man, he's looking really promising. Uh, let's talk about Alex Benelis. He came over in the Jackie Bradley Jr. trade. He actually got called up to double-A this past weekend. With double-A, hit 50, in 58 games, he hit 245, but he had a 355 on base, a 495 slugging, 14 homers, 43 RBIs. Also had eight stolen bases as well, but he has been promoted to double-A in Portland. Let's talk about Nico Cavadas, huh? This guy is so underrated. This guy's so underrated that he doesn't even have a picture. Where is his picture? He has no picture here, but he was promoted from Salem to Greenville. That actually happened uh, right after our episode on Friday. So Nico Cavadas, this guy has just been mashing with Salem this year. Oh my goodness. In Salem, he hit 287 with an OPS of 1.062, 14 homers, and 48 RBIs. Are you kidding me? But that was with Salem. He moved up to high A in Greenville, and he just keeps mashing. My goodness. Well, let me actually talk about his numbers in June. This is what helped him get promoted. In June, 19 games, he hit 377, a 524 on base, a 951 slugging. Are you kidding me? 10 homers in the month of June, 26 RBIs. Are you kidding? And in three games this past weekend, his first three games in Greenville, 11 plate appearances, had two more homers and five RBIs. Nico Cavadas, I'm telling you, in the next couple of years, if this guy keeps mashing like this, well, first off, he will get a picture. He will get a picture here. He doesn't even have a picture. That's going to happen. But look out, man, because this is a guy who could end up being a big-time bat for the Red Sox. He's a first baseman. So, you know, with his scouting report coming out of college when he got drafted out of Notre Dame, his, his fielding was never really looked at, you know, in a great way. But this could be a guy. He has designated hitter written all over him. Could this end up being the future designated hitter for the Red Sox? I don't know, man, but he's been out of his mind. His on-base numbers are just just stupid, just stupid. Uh, but let's talk about the number one pick for the Red – or the number four overall pick in the draft this last year. We got the draft coming up soon, everyone. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, but Marcelo Mayer, he was their first-round pick last year. Their number one prospect on Pipeline had himself a good game on Saturday night. He went three for four, had a homer. Marcelo Mayer, 
This guy's having a good year with Salem, man. He's hitting 269 with a 352 on base and 820 OPS, five homers, 24 RBIs. This guy, man, once he just adds a little meat to his frame, he is six foot three and he weighs 188. Marcelo Mayer, if you're out there, if you're watching this, can you please eat a sandwich, my friend? Please eat a sandwich. You got you got some frame to fill out, my friend. But speaking of a guy that can mash, how about Blaze Jordan? How about Blaze Jordan? He's still in Salem. I think he's going to get called up eventually. This past weekend, over 14 plate appearances, he had five more hits, three RBIs. His batting average is up to 311 on the year. He's got a 364 on base and 866 OPS. Blaze Jordan, man, he is coming on strong. How about Shane Drohan? He got drafted back in 2020. This is a late round or a fifth round pick. Shane Drohan has been having himself a pretty good month. Uh, in the month of June, he has a 2.28 ERA over five starts. His ERA for the year is a 3.92, but he's been really good lately. This past weekend in Greenville, he pitched five innings. He gave up an unearned run, and he struck out six. So Shane Drohan, he is making some moves in the minor leagues. Last guy I'm going to talk about. Last guy I'm going to talk about, Hudson Potts. Remember Hudson Potts? The Red Sox got him in the Mitch Moreland trade a couple of years ago. He was one of the the better prospects that we got in that deal. He was a first-round pick back in 2016. He was the 24th overall pick. He's not having a great year by any means. He's only hitting 215. He has a 753 OPS, eight homers, 23 RBIs. But his last 16 games in AA... He's hitting 321, a 406 on base, and a 518 slugging, two homers, five RBIs. So I'm just saying, man, Hudson Potts, he's coming on strong as well. Don't forget about Hudson Potts. He's not really having a great year, but he's been doing well lately. Also, Matt in the chat, uh, no Durant at the top of the lineup for the Red Sox may hurt. That is something I think that we should definitely consider. I didn't think about that a second ago, but I think for the Red Sox, man, they're going to figure it out. I mean, they were already hitting well, even without Duran. You know, remember Duran recently just came up. They were still hitting well without him. I think they'll find a way to get the offense going without him. Will it be as good as it has been in the past few games? Eh, probably not, but they'll figure it out, I think. But it is going to be interesting. That that will be an interesting storyline um, for this series without Duran, for sure. So, everyone, that is today's episode. Episode 7 of the Believe in Red Sox podcast has come to a close. Um, I want to appreciate everyone coming out for this here in the chat. I think this might be... I think this might be a, a, a high for the chat. I think we got over 70 people in the chat here on YouTube. I think that might be a record for the Red Sox podcast. But uh, for anyone listening out there, for anyone listening out there, I, uh, I, I want to thank you, whether you're listening on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever. If you are listening here on Spotify, Google, wherever you're listening to your favorite podcasts, if you can, drop me a rating. Five stars would be wonderful if you can. And uh, leave me a review. It really goes a long way. It'll kind of help me out in the algorithm a little bit. And uh, also, everyone, go check out the Believe Podcast Network. They got a whole ton of just 
whole ton of podcasts, man. You got football out there. I mean, I know basketball recently just came to a close, but they got a lot of basketball podcasts. Go check out the Believe Podcast Network, especially with football around the corner, man. It's going to be before you know it, we're going to have football season back. So uh, they have a lot of good football podcasts as well. So make sure you check those out. And also I'm seeing in the chat, Jason, Ref Snyder, four for nine against Gosman. That's why I think, you know, Jason, I think Ref Snyder being in the lineup, I think that's going to be fine. Uh, the Red Sox will find a way to get it done, but I expect Ref Snyder to be playing this entire series with Duran not traveling to Toronto. So I think the Red Sox will be fine. I'm not really too worried about that. But uh, everyone, on that note, I'm going to close up shop for the day. I want to appreciate everyone stopping by and listening to my potato face talk about the Red Sox, but they're playing some great baseball lately. I'm excited for this series. It's going to be a big-time series with the Blue Jays. So I will be talking about this series after it is done. That will be, I believe, on Thursday morning. I will most likely be talking about this, so be on the lookout for the next episode. Everyone, go have yourself a good rest of the day. Uh, go have yourself a good rest of the day. Go have yourself a good week. And uh, I'll see you next time at the end of this series. Let's see if the Red Sox complete, can keep playing some great baseball. Everyone, I want to thank you. Have a good day. And I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.